What's up, Junkyard? It is your host, Junkyard Jimmy. I got a guest here. We're going to talk some AEW stuff coming up here in the Junkyard. Like I said, I got a guest here with me. His name is Commander K-Dog. You see him on the Colin Audible's podcast huh? every Thursday at 9 p.m. How you doing today, sir? I am quite well. Thank you for having me. It has been a minute since I have done one of these fantastic wrestling podcasts. So, uh, yeah, figured today would be the day that I re-debut, shall we say. Re-debut. Re- it has been. Hiatus. What have you <laughs> It has been a minute since uh, your podcast. Uh, That's that only you a very, did. very, very long hike. Yeah, so about a year or so. I'm wearing my acclaimed stuff, so uh, scissor me, daddy ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's jump right into it. I thought um, yesterday's episode of AEW Dynamite was one of the best they've had in quite a while. What do you think? It definitely uh, was pretty good throughout the whole show. Get me entertained throughout the whole uh, whole episode. There were a couple things that I wish they had um, on there that uh, wasn't on the show, but um, it wasn't sorely missed. To where I was like, man, this if they were on the show, this would have been actually a really good show. Uh, I thought overall last night was was pretty good. So I think the the first main thing I want to kind of break down is we see the return of Miro and Thunder Rosa. Going into Poppy Khan's office. Later on in the show, Tony Khan announces that he has an announcement next week. I think we all know what this announcement is, right? I think all the rumors and the dirt sheets have kind of already kind of spoiled this. Are you excited for the announcement or is it kind of already washed away from what's going to be to be said the new show debuting on Saturdays as from what we understand? Um, I mean, you know, nothing is official until the announcement's made, but yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much all are under the assumption of what, what's going to be the announcement next week, um, which is cool. Um, I think having a Saturday night wrestling show is going to be interesting. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I know that Rampage has been kind of fluctuating here the past few weeks of early Friday night start times, late Friday night start times, moving to Saturdays. So, um, that doesn't really help for the viewing audience to kind of be consistent with one day. Like dynamite is typically every Wednesday, Monday night raw is always on a raw on a Monday, on a raw on a Monday, uh, <laughs> SmackDown on a Friday. So right. you get a, accustomed to these days. So it'll be nice to have another show that hopefully will be set in that day. Um, should be pretty interesting uh, as far as how the show looks, feels, if it's any different than dynamite, if it's any different than rampage currently, um, and yeah, it's really actually kind of cool the way that Miro and uh, Thunder Rosa, um, they both came back. And uh, yeah, so his, very interesting. His, your hatred of Thunder Rosa is almost as intense as my hatred for Roman Reigns. <laughs> Not that bad. I don't hate Thunder Rosa. I just think she's annoying. She was a, She is a good wrestler, but she's such a drama queen and... 
watching All Access and, and mm-hmm. hearing Britt and the girls talk about Rosa, it just kind of puts me under this this uh, conundrum of good wrestler, kind of a weird, shady it, situation on the outside, kind of like a punk thing, but not as bad as a as a punk it, situation. She uh, she kind of has that Tessa Blanchard reputation. It seems like um, that's where, a fair. That's a fair. Uh, she's like one of the top in the company maybe in terms of in-ring but the backstage politicking and everything kind of uh ruins that for for her um and and i would agree with you on that i i think from these promos that i got here the one thing i'm i kind of get out of this is there's going to be some form of brand split which i think is great for aew with as large of a roster that they have you can't fit everybody in on dynamite. Um, and so to have a brand split per se, to have certain people dedicated to this new show, certain people dedicated to dynamite, I think not only for AEW and, and as a whole, but I think more specifically the women's division, this may be a win for the division overall and AEW overall. I would agree with that. I think, <laughs> The women's division needs to have a lot more uh, stuff showcased. Um, There was a time where they had a you know a decent amount of storylines going on with the world title, with uh, the TBS title, the Outcast, and the Originals, um, Anna J, Julia Hart. So there's been a few different storylines going on that that's been it's been nice to have a few you know some some layers to the women's division with different storylines. Maybe we'll kind of go through the show, but uh, Julia Hart. Uh, to me, got my attention a little bit more last night um, for a good reason. And uh, I think that uh, while there's a particular super fan out there that would appreciate it, um, I, in general, um, have been very impressed with her overall in the last few months or so. But if that's something we're talking about later in the show, we'll uh, we'll do that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So before we get going, I, I, do wanna, I don't want to talk about every single thing in the show, but I do want to break down some of the stuff that – we saw some of the bigger highlights. But first, the guy I've been waiting to see if he would comment on this stream has commented, and here is what he said. I knew he hey, was listen. going to be there. If sheesh is over, <laughs> and that's pretty stupid, scissoring is over, it's stupid, but it's over. I yeah, believe they're it, making a lot more money than we are, and uh, you can either like it or hate it. It's subjective, but uh, mm-hmm. either way, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's a fun little part of the gimmick. I mean, you think about DX; they got over doing stupid things like that as well in the Attitude Era. So, yeah. anyways, let's get going. Um, we start off with what I thought was a really good introductory match: um, Claudio and Ray Phoenix. And a double Jeopardy match, I I don't know if there's been one of those type of stipulations on AEW, but I actually kind of like this, um, that concept of two champions battling and the winner gets an opportunity sometime in the, in the future. Uh, Claudio ends up winning this match. I think that was kind of maybe predictable per se, um, but he and one other member of the Blackpool Combat Club eventually will get an opportunity at the uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. 
my assumption is it's probably going to be uh, Danielson, but what do you think? Either him or Yuta. Um, I think that you know, you're not going to see Moxley in it. could be Danielson, but I think this is probably going to be him and Yuta um, since Yuta's been an ROH champion here recently um, with a pure title, I believe. So um, he's kind of been – Shown more on ROH TV, I think, than than Danielson for sure, and for sure Moxley. So that's my guess. It might be Yuta. Um, very good match to open the show. It was nice to have a little bit of a change of not having the Orange Cassidy segment right. in the right. first segment of Dynamite. Uh, it seems like he's always getting those here with those international title defenses uh, here recently. So it's a good little change of direction going with um, still a very good, high-quality match and uh, two guys that know how to go. Um, with a cool stipulation, and um, so wish we didn't have these ROH stuff on an AEW TV show. But guy owns two brands; he's going to do whatever he wants to do. So, actually, was gonna, I was actually going to bring that up. We haven't seen as much as it was, I'd say, six months ago. Yeah. But I just wish you would leave ROH stipulated matches to ROH. And you have the AEW stuff. I don't necessarily per se have a problem with ROH wrestlers fighting in AEW, but for ROH championships and all of that, leave that to ROH sanctioned events. Um, that's probably my takeaway from that was the match was great, but I think you could have had this match on ROH tonight and brought more people maybe to watch though. Granted, paying for honor club to watch ROH, maybe not the, the best way to build a fan base of ROH at this point, but I guess you got to go with what you got to go with at the beginning there. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, Tony Khan puts ROH type stuff on AEW, like you said, definitely not as much as there was before, but I think the whole reason is because um, people have to pay to watch. I mean, people have to pay to watch TV too, but it, it's different when you have to pay, a, you know, just for one service to watch one thing versus an umbrella, you know, package for a streaming service. Um, so I think the biggest thing with that is, you know, we need to showcase our weights a little bit, get people interested and get people to try to watch our and be like, you know what? I need to watch more of that. And, oh, what's going to happen with now the tag titles with the Lucha Bros and versus BCC? What's going to happen? So now I need to tune into Arnold Club or tune into one of their pay-per-views. So it's a good way to get that brand involved and, and to get some brand recognition and exposure, which is good. Um, just we don't need to see it every single week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Correct. Um, and so I think the next biggest thing that I was a fan of is the fact that they still had some portion of the show dedicated for Double or Nothing's main event without really having to let the people be uh, who are involved, the four men who are involved, really any live time, the vignettes that they played for all four men were were short, quick to the point, but still good enough to be like, okay, these are here are the four men, the four pillars. Now you get to pick which one you want to, to choose to cheer for. Um, I, I I appreciated that. If there's one thing that maybe me and my brother who disagree on almost everything pro wrestling is the vignettes and the backstage promos. I I love when those are used well and that's something i think that wrestling in general the past 
a decade or so, with with the few, few exceptions, they haven't been able to use the vignettes the way that, like you say, Attitude Era vignettes were, um, or Stone Cold and Brian Pillman and those backstage and offset type of things. Um, but I thought the way that they used those vignettes to tell the story without them having to be there in Detroit, um, I think it was very well utilized. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, sometimes you don't need every single person to be there for, for this match. Sometimes to build the, the, the storylines is to talk about it. Promos, vignettes, pack, video packages, whatever it may be. Um, the old cliche in wrestling is you talk them into the building you build up the storyline, you get them to want to see the match, and they get invested into the storyline, and they want to buy the pay-per-view, they want to go to the pay-per-view for because of the build-up for the match. I'm a guy that loves pro wrestling, wrestling in general, love five-star matches. It doesn't always sell. It just adds to the, um, you know, the entertainment value. To me, I need a mixture of both story and wrestling. Um the, big, the best example that I always kind of go fall back on is is The Rock and Austin from uh, WrestleMania 17, where every time I watch that video package and they, you know, they did their physicality stuff to build the match, to build the, the, uh, the event, to showcase how important it is, but they also utilize a lot of promo and vignette time to how important this match is, how big this match is, to where people are like, I need to I need to watch this match. I need to watch this pay-per-view. Um and they they were both um they were both faces before Austin turned at, at 17. And one of my just like I said, it's my all-time favorite video package is 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 that package for their match at 17 and it had the, the my way uh Limp Biscuit song in the background for it. But they they both had this sit-down interview and they're both, I think it's with Jim Ross. And they're both in the locker room and they're both just sitting across from each other and they're saying why we need this match why i need to win this match how important yeah. this match is for me how much it is means to me for me to beat you it's like a, just to me that is the perfect thing they showed a lot of the physicality stuff to build up of, oh these guys are really intense they don't like each other they're you know they built the story that way but they also build the story of the promos and the vignettes so you need a mixture of both. We've got somewhat of the physicality stuff, especially with the tag team match last week or two weeks ago. Um, so you can pull that into the video package. And now we have this this um, add-on with the video segments we did last night. So we can add that into the promo for the main event and really build this thing of how much the four pillars mean to the company, how this is a truly homegrown AEW main event, and how in four years, this company is, is, is establishing the stars that it's trying to establish and, and make the future present. So I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that last night was needed. You need that. And it uh, you got to talk them to the building. MJF does a great job with that. But these other three guys need TV time to build up their promo skills. Um, as we saw a couple weeks ago, when three of those guys were in the ring with Kibera, uh, Jungle Boy and Dar uh, Darby, they're not polished. They're they're not polished, but they they need that exposure to do it. They need the experience. They need to know how to get a crowd reaction. What goes over? What doesn't go over? What goes too much into the weeds? How to kind of simplify things, but also either get heat or get fans to respond. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think I thought overall it was needed and was it was pretty well done. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Um, 
the the one thing I think the entire no. Let's talk about the Anna J and um, Julia Hart match. You you mentioned earlier. I'll get to the point I was actually going to make uh, afterwards. It kind of leads into each other. Um, Julia Hart has been probably the most improved on the women's division. I think this year she has done. And over the past year, year and a half, when ever since she, they've brought back the House of Black, she has done, I think, an absolute. Command from each other gets joined. Oh, we lost them. Here we hold on one second here. I don't know what happened there, but okay. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Alrighty. Um, anyways, yeah, Julia Hart um, has done just an absolute bang up job at just playing this character that she has and the AEW women's division has a future. I really, I really feel like it's not just like Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter and Tony storm and the people that we see now, but into the future, if those women were to, to leave for whatever reason, people like sky blue and Anna J and um, Julia and Taya Jade, they, they they have a deep women's division, and I think that's why I am so I get so frustrated at the lack of the women's division getting their time. It's because they're just so deep, and there's so much you can do with this women's division. Um, and I really do think they could be the best women's division if they just had the time. I would agree with that. I think it's it's gonna it's hard to beat. WWE's overall talent, uh, but the way that it, it it's very depth, they do a decent job at exposing them, giving them storylines. Um, right. How to do that? I mean, you know, WWE doesn't do everything perfectly. AEW doesn't do everything perfectly. There are better things at some than others for sure. But for me, yeah, it, it's just you got to build this women's division by the characters, by the storytelling. Why should I care about it? It's the same thing with the men's division. Why should I care about this person? What, what makes me want to hate them or like them, but not in a negative way, not in a I'm changing the channel because I don't like you because you're boring. It's uh, I want to see you get your ass kicked or you're such right. a bitch. You need to get, you know, whatever. Um, for me, yeah, I, I went back and um, after watching last night's match, Julia definitely has got a lot more respect for me, just from her performance alone, took a pretty nasty bump on the outside with that uh, that chair spot. And looks like she probably messed up her hip, maybe just her rib, her side, something like that. Definitely was bothering her, but she she was a trooper, man. She she kept on through the match. Did a you know a, a top rope superplex? That's not easy, and that you know is a long way down, and I'm sure affected that whatever you know she injured last night. But um, going back. Watching her, and I remember watching a match of hers in the first uh, few times she showed up on Dynamite, and just the night and day difference. And she's right. still very young. Um, she's really developed on her character work. Her promo skills have gotten much better. Um, the character itself is getting better. She has a cool ass entrance with the theme song that I was like, I don't know what that theme song is. And I looked it up today, and I'm like, this was actually made for her. And in one of the lines, it said, like, live in sin, the house always wins. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Right. So she's got a really good thing going on. And I'm sure that she's getting mentored by Brody and Buddy and, and Malachi. Um, all three of them have their own really good, unique ideas. And Malachi's a very cerebral type of character and guy. So I know that he's probably been working with her a lot on it, too. And so I went back and watched a few of her different matches over the last month, 
couple of them were with Anna J. One was with Kira Hogan on Rampage. And her footwork, her in-ring work, her timing is just so much better. And her character work is good. She's kind of looking at some of the cameras with the stare, um, being a little more vocal in the ring. And that's not a bad thing. And it's not a sick way. That is a, you know, it's emphasizing the character. It's emphasizing the work she's right. doing. The moveset she has is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, her overall development over the last year, especially in the last six months, has been really impressive. Right. Um, and the best thing about this women's division is that it is so, so young. It's mm-hmm. so young with Jamie and Britt, um, Sky Blue, Willow, um, Julia Hart, Anna Jay, Ty Mello. A lot of young talent. Right. You got the veterans in there too with Tony and Ruby, Soraya, Taya. Um, right. Obviously, there's so many to name, but I mean, it's so young, it has so much room for growth. But as you can see, that um, with just work and time, you know, you're not going to be an overnight thing. It's not just all of a sudden going to click overnight, right. but it's going to build up to where the more practice you get, the more reps you get, the more promo, you know, character development, all that stuff shows that with the hard work and the timing, it's going to pay off. And for, for uh, uh, Julia Hart, right now it is. And, and we just need to do that with as much girls in the division to make it deep, um, you know, build it up to be what it can be. And uh, obviously they need to get a TV time too. So um, right. that's going to be interesting to see how it develops over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think our women's division in the next couple of years – can, will compete. I actually think WWE isn't in the best women's division right now. I think Impact Wrestling, if you look at what they're putting on, they actually put a really big emphasis on their women's division, like more so than a lot of other parts of their of their roster. And they have people like Deanna Perrazzo, um, Jordan Grace, several others that they they really love that women's division and Impact. And it sucks that I don't think I get the channel that they're on every week. Um, so I can't really watch them much, but yeah, I really like that women's division and, uh, impact, but I think AEW has the po- the possibility because like you said, they're so young and so deep. There's so much talent there. And Tony Khan is always going out and other rep people are always going out and finding stars in the making and not even to mention the people that are injured that are d- due to come back. Chris Statlander, Layla Hirsch, um, and others like that who, like, let's just be honest, a lot of these women don't have a lot of time on TV in front of a crowd the size that they're going to be on. And so it's not going to be perfect. I don't expect it to be a perfect product right off the gate. But if we can have people like Julia Hart, when she was with the Varsity Blondes, she was awful. Like, she was just a pretty face at that point. But I really respect the work that she's putting in to becoming this character that um, she has become. But talking about the House of Black, the match they had, I loved the concept of the house, the house rules or whatever it was. But the stipulation that they put with Bandito and the best friends was like, I just, it was so dumb. So, like, and, and I understand their comedy gimmick. I understand their comedy gimmick. But they had the opportunity to pick any stipulation that they wanted and it was just like yeah we don't want that girl that got injured in the match before to show up like i don't know to me it was just kind of a down part of the entire segment there 
Yeah, I was <laughs> so confused about that. I didn't know if what the graphic they showed, if all those stipulations applied, plus they can select a rule, or if it was, yes. hey, here's a list of rules, you have to select one of them. That so, part didn't make much sense to me at the at the time. So the way that I understand it, it's they pick the rules that they wanted, the 20-second um, countouts, the no DQs, or whatever else. And then to make it, quote-unquote, fair, they allowed their opponents to pick one additional stipulation. Gotcha. Okay, that um, makes sense now. To make it fair. And to me, the stipulation that was picked, I get it. I get the best friends or some this like comedy gimmick. And we got that funny thing at the end of their promo where Orange Cassidy was like, I don't know, Renee, I'm just so tired. Like, that was funny. That made me laugh. But the stipulation overall was kind of, kind of, eh. over. but they uh, they still put on a pretty good match with the House of Black. And the House of Black gets over, I don't know which trio's team with this stipulation in place could beat the House of Black. I'm interested to see where this goes. But for that to be the first opportunity to showcase this new, I guess, stipulation, some trio set, it's just, to me, it left a bad first impression. I don't disagree with that. Um, my only thinking is that Julia got hurt and they had to call a pretty quick audible of, hey, she's actually kind of hurt. Like, right. she's not going to be out there with them. How about let's just make that the, the, uh, the stipulation because it uh, – to, you know, is able for her to get away, you know, hey, she's barred from ringside, but in reality, she's actually hurt. Let's protect her. Let's just not put her out there. She's kind of hurt. So that's the only thing and I could have thought of, and they kind of made it a quick adjustment to that. I don't know for sure, but um, yeah, that whole segment was weird. And that whole, you know, the, the whole Orange Cassidy, I don't know her name, I'm tired. And then, you know, her saying, me too, bud. Like, I took that as a positive and a negative. Like, okay, that was funny. She went along with it at the same time. Like, what are, we, what are we tired of? What's going on? Something we don't know about. And <laughs> it could have been just maybe more so of that was a whole audible switch. Just, right. hey, guys, listen, Julia's pretty banged up. She can't be out there. We need to pivot to something real quick, come up with something. Let's just go with the, on the fly and, and kill a bit of time so we can get her out of there. And then best friends hate say that we don't want her at ringside. And then that that – you know, gets rid of her. She's able to go in the back, get some help, get some medical attention. Right. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird segment overall. But uh, once we got in the ring, I forgot about it. And for the most part, and um, love the layout of the match, the darker yes. lights, the yes. setup, the graphics around the uh, the arena was pretty good too. It just was a different vibe that stuck out for the show and made it memorable in the aspect of, I remember that segment because it was so right. much different than any other segment on the show. So um I'm interested right. to see where this goes and, and what kind of we look at now, week to week, month to month base. But um, yeah, I thought overall it, it, it served its purpose. It was good. Yeah, overall the production style of the match itself, the the lights are dropped. It, it kind of looks like a, I think they said like a 70s or 80s presentation. It was. It, I liked the feel of the match. It was a great production wise. It's just all the stipulations and all of that promo back, like it kind of left a weird taste in my mouth leading up to the match, leading up to the match. Uh, House of Black wins. And then we go to the back and Orange Cassidy gets destroyed by, was it Kyle Phillips of Aussie Open? He yep. holds up his um, 
uh, W or not WWE AEW all all international. They change is it international champion Just now? International yeah. title, yeah. International championship. Um, and I guess this leads to he's going to be the next one to challenge AE uh, Orange Cassidy for that belt. Um, whether that's next week on Dynamite or maybe a couple weeks down the line at Double or Nothing. Uh, they didn't really specify, I don't think, much on when that match is going to happen. But uh, to go back just a minute, to, I took the, the whole Orange Cassidy-Renee thing as Orange Cassidy was tired because he just got his ass kicked against um, Daniel Garcia and won that match, which great match there. And then I took Renee being tired as she's been running all over the place interviewing all these people. I don't know if that's what it was meant to be, but um, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure there. I didn't take in anything negative there. Um, that's, a, that's a fair point. I mean, <laughs> didn't really really think about that until you said it. And she she was flying backstage. Whether there were pre tapes or they were trying to make it seem like they weren't pre tapes and they were all live. Right. Yeah, she she was going all over the place from the backstage interview spot to Tony Khan's office, backstage behind the curtain. Yeah, she was she was right. floating around a lot last night. Definitely got her steps in. <laughs> definitely so and then that leads us to if i remember correctly the the main event the kenny omega match um against john moxley and the steel cage and um moxley oh, comes out we did not not to throw you off i'm not we did have the uh uh lethal jared fdr promo oh yes uh, yes yes, yes, yes. totally forgot yes so Let's talk about that real quick before we talk about the main event. So uh, at Double or Nothing, we're going to have Lethal and Jarrett fight FTR with Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, we we end up them like popping some sort of alcohol, and um, Sanjay spits it in uh, Dax's face. And he ends up hitting the, uh, some sort of was it the big rig? I don't it was remember. A, the I think it was a pile driver. Yeah, it was some sort of pile driver or some not um, on Mark Briscoe. I don't. I know Mark Briscoe's a tag team guy, and the circumstances surrounding all of that was so quick. But to push him into this story just kind of seems he just kind of seems awkwardly placed. And I understand the point is like he's been friends with Briscoe and he's friends with FTR. He, it just kind of seems like an out of place thing for for Mark to be in. Um, put him in at the special guest referee, I guess is a he's going to pick his alliances type of thing. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts going into this double or nothing match? It's weird. It, it kind of is just because I I get the whole feud with. Lethal and Jared and FTR, they've been kind of going back and forth here for the last month or so. Get that. That's fine. Intertwining Mark Briscoe with it, I thought it was odd for sure. And then it's like there he's kind of on Jared and Lethal's side. And the promo they did, the vignette they did last week, that video was, was phenomenal. I laughed so hard mm -hmm. with it at the whole farm <laughs> thing. That was fantastic. Seeing Jeff Jarrett on the uh, – on that uh, lawnmower type of thing. I think uh, somebody had a sign last night. I'm going to call him it from now on. He's no longer the last outlaw, which is what he's been calling himself. He's now the grass outlaw. Um, that, that that was phenomenal. Um, I've got a 
just a total respect for Jeff Jarrett because of the fact that he always he's trying to find ways to invent himself and and keep his name you know in, in the limelight. He's a very good marketing guy, very good brand guy, and that's why he's helped with he's helped with the business side of AEW, especially with the house show stuff, which the ticket sales for Salem this show this weekend does mm-hmm. not look very good, but that could be more of a marketing advertising thing versus a brand problem. Or just the area in general is not right for wrestling. But anyways, um, you got to try. If you don't try, you're never going to know. And then once you do know, it's like, all right, well, maybe we need to not do that for a while. But anyways, um, I respect Jeff and and respect Sanjay and and Jay. All of them are doing a great job behind the scenes as being agent producers, helping, you know, produce segments and interviews and promos and matches with all that good stuff. On camera, they can be very good, too. Um, It's going to be kind of weird to see, I guess, with Mark being the special guest referee, what's going to happen. I guess, like you say, he's going to have to align himself with somebody. Does he swerve FTR and go with Jared and Lethal? Does he, you know, he's they've been kind of kissing his ass for the last few weeks. Is he just going to be like, ha-ha, I, I, I got you all. I, I fooled you all. These are my best friends with FTR. We bled together. We fought together. I've got more respect for them than I do you two clowns, and I'm with them. Right. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I know it's going to be a decent match. These guys ought to put on a good match, but – um. Just overall, it's just kind of a weird way this whole storyline has flowed. Yeah, Jarrett, Lethal, Sanjay, and the, what's the fucking big tall guy? Satnam Singh. Satnam Singh. Yeah, that's just been a weird stable for quite a while now. Um, and kudos to Jeff Jarrett. He looks like he's in better shape than he's been in quite a while. So kudos to him for actually putting in the work and getting in the ring and at his age, it's, it's it's difficult to be a wrestler when you're in the prime of your peak physical health. But when yep. you get towards the back end of your, I mean, look at Ric Flair; he almost like died in his last match. So, Ric Flair will die from a wrestling match. I'm pretty much going to say that now. Um, so yeah, let's pull a Dale Yes, sir, he will. Um, let's just jump real quick here into this uh, this main event. Um, um, so I, I didn't watch this live, and I remember you sent me a text that said the the uh, ending of Dynamite will shock you. I'm still in shock, and I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay, let, let's just let this play out. And so the match goes on. It's it's what you I think imagine when it's a John Moxley Kenny Omega steel cage match. I think the match wasn't even three minutes in before some blood was on John Moxley, um, and Omega brought out the barbed wire chair. Um, the match was great. I, I, the spot where um, the V trigger threw the steel cage, I didn't think that was a gimmicked part of the match. To be like, I was shocked. Like, what the hell just happened? Obviously, yeah. they, 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 you know, that was a gimmick cage for the, the spot looking back into hindsight. To, to me, it looked like Omega actually kind of got hurt um, with his leg getting trapped there. Yeah, um, that was a that was a weird fall for them. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure, kind of looking back on the replay, the first one, I was like, damn, Moxie really got messed up there. And he actually didn't land that bad. He really didn't. Um, Omega kind of got the, the, would say the worst end of that in a way. Right. He landed kind of in between his legs, which was kind of weird. But then his leg did get trapped a little bit. When when that cage spawn happened, I was like, "Oh shit!" I was not ready for that, not expecting right. that whatsoever. Right. Um, 
that legitimately got a pretty good reaction out of me for that. Um, the top rope coming off and Moxley using that to uh, to choke Omega out with it. Right. Crazy. So they showed that during, I think, a picture-in-picture picture segment. And so since I didn't watch it live, I was just fast-forwarding through the commercials. And then they come back, and he has him, like, fish-hooked. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just miss? Uh, <laughs> the whole fucking ring is destroyed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so overall, the match was great. One-winged Angel gets hit. Omega's about to win. And then the swerve, literally the swerve, I think, of AEW history happens when Don Callis turns on someone he's called a, a, basically a son, Kenny Omega, to allow John Moxley to win this match. Where the fuck did this come from? And what the fuck's going to happen afterwards? I really don't know. Like, is, is, Mo, is um, Callis now the leader of the Blackpool Combat Club? The way Daniel Danielson was like smirking and smiling leads me to believe that this maybe was like a deal that they've struck out somewhere in the back. I'm, I'm interested to see where this story leads. Um, but oh my goodness, I think I sat there jaw dropped for like 10 minutes afterwards um, when this happened. I really, that was the last thing that I ever could have imagined happening. I was thinking there was a new debut coming when you sent me that text, but Don Callis turning on his boy, Kenny Omega. Can you put any sense into this or, or like understand why this happened? Like I, I still don't understand maybe the right now where this leads. It's going to lead back to a swerve of uh, Callis coming back to Omega. No. Um, <laughs> Swerve upon swerve upon swerve. You swerve the people, bro, by swerving them again to swerve them, and it just swerves everything, and you make it a swerve fest, and it's so good, bro. Um, he, he's gonna he's gonna be big show and turn heel face heel face three times in a row. Right. So. <laughs> I knew that th- that turn was coming. It was right. The seeds had been planted. It was when it was gonna happen, and that was the least expected time I thought it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Thought it would happen on pay per view. A bigger now, dynamite, an all-in. Now, I will say, they were programming this dynamite as a pay-per-view on free television. So This is true. I thought it, it wasn't going to be then. And, yeah, that, that left me pretty much in shock. Hell, Bully Ray, who I respect his opinion very much. Sure, there's some things I don't agree with him on. There are some things I do agree with him on. His biggest thing is sometimes he watches shows twice. Once as a wrestler watching it, and then secondly as a fan with his eyes closed. And it's hearing the crowd reaction. If the crowd is not very much into it, probably wasn't a good segment. If you can hear in that crowd and you kind of feel that and you kind of have to open your eyes as to what the hell just happened, that's when it gets you. And I kind of did that. The second time, I didn't watch the show the second time, but I kind of went back and watched that segment. Just kind of closed my eyes, and I was like, that pop. Mm-hmm. When Omega hit, or when Callus hit Omega with that screwdriver, just sold the entire thing. Right. It was a genuine, like, jaw-dropping, no, type of reaction. Right. And that just goes to show you that while 
most people probably saw that coming. They were not expecting it right then and there. And moment. now it, it and it was one of the better endings of Dynamite in a long time. Tony Khan likes to use the analogy of sometimes you don't need all the answers, but I give you more questions or I answer the question with another question. That works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Last night worked. And it left us questioning what the hell is going to happen next from a lot of different perspectives. Where does this go with the BCC and the elite? Where does this go with now Callus and Omega? Where does this go with the elite and Callus? Maybe Callus is with the BCC. Maybe Callus is bringing in somebody from NJPW. Aussie yeah. Open. Maybe somebody else. I don't know. These right. will hold well, up a couple different things. And it's very intriguing. Well, you've kind of seen over the last couple months, like when the Young Bucks got hurt, Callus pulled Omega away from him. Went, went, and then he's been recruiting Takeshka in the background. I don't know where this leads. I really don't. And I like the fact that I don't know where it leads because it leaves me to want to come back and watch the com- the conclusion of of what happened. This was maybe more shocking just because of the timing, like you said, than when Regal turned on Moxley against MJF. That, that was shocking in my opinion, but this was almost, if not more shocking to me, just – just like you said, because of the timing. Um, and I, I don't know where this leads with Don Callis. I, I ultimately believe, I think there was either a back segment or maybe a, a previous uh, segment where Omega was like, if I can't trust my family, who can I trust? And I ultimately believe that the Golden Lovers tag team comes back. And we're going to get Kota Ibushi at some point. Um, and... I don't know when that happens. I don't know if that happens. I know Abushi, as far as I understand, is still a free agent. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see if that's where that leads. But overall, like it was just really shocking because I really didn't expect it at that point. Like ultimately, maybe so you could have seen something further down the line. I thought more what Callis was going to turn more so on the Young Bucks, and it affected Kenny more so than him actually defeating Kenny. Um, so the way they did it, kudos to to AEW for pulling that on us. Um, I, I tend to like to think that Tony Khan, when it gets down to the pay-per-views, the last six Dynamites and uh, leading up to the pay-per-view, around six, he puts on his best performance booking leading up to the show. We see this with the four the four pillars main event, where it took forever for this match to become official. But now that it's official, now that they're getting ready to tell this story of the of the pillars fighting for the belt, the story's coming along, and it's just it's leading up to the main event, and it's going to be a good main event. We look at this double or nothing card, and outside of the main event the four pillars match and the Briscoes versus FTR or not the Briscoes. I'm sorry. The uh, Briscoe special guest to get with FTR and Jared and lethal. There's no other confirmed matches on this card. If you weren't to guess, and if I were to guess, let me, let me put it this way. If I were to guess, we'd probably want to get an Adam Cole, Chris Jericho match. 
Um, we'll probably get um, Britt and Jamie and one other wrestler fighting the outcast. It would be my assumption. Um, and maybe a couple other filler matches, maybe a TNT title match with Wardlow and what, Christian Cage, I guess. Um, any other matches? You, th- this might be one of the smallest cards on AEW history, and I, it's probably because this main event's going to take quite a while to, to put let everybody hit where they need to hit. Well, remember, we kind of thought the same thing about that with uh, Revolution because it was going to be MJF and Danielson in that Iron Man match, and they kind of right. wouldn't say threw together a couple matches at the last minute, but the last two weeks before the pay-per-view, they kind of put a couple different matches with a couple weeks of storyline built into them. So whether or not we get a – um, we could get a women's t- championship match between either Storm and Hater or Soraya and Hater, and then it'd be Tony and Soho versus uh, Sheeta and Britt. Could do that. You could do um, a TBS championship match, a rematch with Valkyrie and Jade, or you could do Jade in an open challenge and Statlander comes back. Uh, probably might have the because of this double or nothing and the you know the gimmick battle royal the casino battle royal or the ladder match we're probably going to get that. Um, there might be a couple other th- small matches for sure, but I think that this is it, it's probably going to have that same effect of you never you don't really know until we get that uh, right. go home show. But um, I will say this: at the last two pay per views, we had the main event storyline in play at least a month and a half before the pay-per-view. That's something AEW has not done a whole lot of, and that was kind of a criticism I had was you need your main event, you need your A story. Right. This is something that, I mean, there's a bunch of different wrestling minds that I agree with some things that they do. I agree, don't agree with some things they do, but if you kind of put all their stuff together, it makes like a perfect promoter. Nobody's perfect. But Eric Bischoff, need your A, B, your A story, your B, C, B story, and your C story. Even though, um, you know, it didn't always work for WCW, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. Um, if your pillar is that's a shitty roster. Um, once again, that's subjective. <laughs> if you want to make up a consolation prize to call it a world title and have people on a different brand wrestle for it, even though you already said that we have a draft, people say a <laughs> brand, um, and that different brands are fighting for a raw title, oh, we can just put them on a different show. You drafted him for a reason that that just automatically discredits the draft. Um, for for anyway. those for those, uh, this will be put on audio platforms here in a, a good day or so when I have time to edit all of this. Uh, the comment that I put up, it's from my brother, and like I said, I don't really agree with him on much of anything in wrestling. He put a comment on our YouTube stream. If those are your pillars, referring to MJF, Jungle Boy, Sammy G and Darby Allen, then that's a pretty shitty roster. We got youth on our side. Your 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 pillars are near the back end of their career. So um, I agree that they're more established stars, sure. I definitely agree with that. Um my problem is this isn't a, a bash WWE show. We're supposed to be talking about dynamite. <laughs> I should have been on that show that you guys recorded a few a week or so ago about the whole draft thing and yeah. Uh, the world title is a consolation prize, first of all. Uh, it's the same meaning as the U.S. title, as the IC title. Yep. The TNT title means the same as the international title. Um, 
So, I mean, they're all consolation prizes. But anyways, I digress. Back to business. <laughs> yes. I really enjoy the fact that AEW has set kind of the main event, the A story build for their pay-per-views pretty early after a big pay-per-view that gives it a month and a half to build this. So for Revolution, we got that MJF, Brian Danielson thing January. Right. Where, and you know, Danielson had to go through all these matches to get a shot, and he did. So we had that storyline going in, if not the first January of the new year, at least the second. So we had a month, month and a half build ready yeah, for that. Right. This one, as soon as Revolution ended, Sammy yeah. G, Darby, and... Uh, Jungle Boy came out to interrupt, uh, you know, MJF, and all four of them are, are having a promo battle. Right. If not right after, it had to be right after Revolution or the week after. I think it was. I honestly think it was the first Dynamite after Revolution. Yeah. And because I was sitting there thinking when it first happened, like, why? Why are they doing this? And for the first couple of weeks of doing it, it was really a slow build. But now that, like I said, now that we're getting. Right out here, we have this time for it to build, and sometimes just need uh, things. Storylines need time to, you know, it, it's a slow building story, and uh, this is one of them. And we're getting a match that I think people have been wanting for for quite a while because these have been stated to be the four pillars of a of AEW for maybe since their inception. Four homegrown talents, which is something that. Uh, while we're trying not to bash WWE all we want, their fans are like, all your guys are ex-WWE guys. And now we have a main event where it's four homegrown talents in a ring, and I think they're going to put on a great match. And, and I agree. The, the story, when it gets to the build and around pay-per-view time, Tony Khan just knows how to perfectly tell the story and not give away too much too early to get it to where it's at its climax leading up to the pay-per-view. No, he doesn't, but he definitely plants those seeds. Right. And he has been for the last two pay-per-views, at least a month, month and a half out. And it right. allows it to build. So that way you're like, all right, hey, listen, this is about this direction we're going to go. Let's start building into this. Let's start feeding into this. And week by week, we're going to start building this. Once we get to about the fourth or fifth week out from the show, we're really going to ramp it up and get people wanting to be like, oh, damn, this might be a good match good good main event whatever so um yeah no I, I appreciate that i love that keep doing that because to me that builds more credibility for your shows and you're not doing a panic booking and you're not doing a slow slow build and then all of a sudden two or three weeks out of the pay-per-view oh hey listen we got these storylines right. and matches no you're, you're building up your main story for the world title and everything else is secondary and we're going to slowly build that card as we go along but we want to implement right. those seeds for what the main event story is going into a pay-per-view month at least a month or month or two in advance because you're building a story you're trying to get people to buy into the story what is it how do we get to it things like that right. so i appreciate that they need to keep doing that and it's going to be a little bit difficult as we get towards the summer because they got forbidden door all in right. and all out within a two-month span between june and august and uh two two and a half month span so it's going to start getting a little crazy here for aw i'm interested to see where it goes but um yeah i mean hell look at look at the roster most of the champions are homegrown people Right. Wardlow TNT champion, um, Jay the TBS champion, Hader the women's champion, MJF the world champion, Cassidy the international champion, um, FTR is the only non-home and, and, and FTR has 
just recently recaptured that title for the past while. It was the acclaimed, homegrown, and the guns. The guns. Another homegrown. So it's not the, that tag team division is. It's full of homegrown guys and uh, that are working to move up the the ladder. And then before the acclaimed, it was Swerve in Your Glory, which I, I guess you can call them. Keith Lee was a known guy for sure. Yeah. So Swerve. Not so much, but he was known in, in the diehard realm. Um, right. I don't know when I'm going to be back on this podcast again, but uh, or we're talking about wrestling in general, but I'm going to go ahead and plant the seeds in, in your mind. Um, do we get a punk return at Double or Nothing? I, I think we have to. and, and uh, I don't want to say guaranteed yes, but you got to think if that's what the announcement is next week, that um, – of collision on Saturday night. And then I also think they're going to talk about the new AEW Warner Bros deal as well, which I want to talk about that at the end. Uh, talk about that Warner Bros deal. You got to have some sort of guy to come out there at some point and push people to watch this show. So I, maybe not, maybe not double or not, or yeah, double or nothing, but maybe the dynamite after or, Something there to build off a story for, hey, I'm CM Punk. I'm going to be on AEW Collision, uh, which is the rumored name of the show. It's going to be on Saturdays on TNT, I believe, is where they're going to put put it on. And at this time, come watch me. It's supposed to but a June start, start date in Chicago, I think, is the first show that they're pushing it there. I, I, you you got to think at some point in the next couple of weeks they are going to push Punk. You saw in a lot of those um, vignettes that they showed yesterday, there was a lot of CM Punk references. So obviously he's back in there. There were also a lot of Cody Rhodes references, which Cody Rhodes references, which I thought was kind of weird that they still brought up Cody Rhodes as much as they did. Um, Sammy Guevara had like eight or nine. Um, references towards Cody Rhodes and his vignette package, and so did MJF. Um, and so it, it was, it's weird, but yeah, I think at some point, maybe not at Double or Nothing, but maybe the week, week prior, uh, following Double or Nothing, I think we'll see CM Punk at some point in the next month or so. Yeah, for sure. I think we're definitely, I mean, we're six days away from a month out of the rumored start date for Collision. I think June 17th, my daughter's birthday. Uh, maybe we'll go to the show. Just kidding. Um, in, Chicago. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we definitely get that punk tease soon. I mean, right. like you said, we've been mentioning the name a lot more. We didn't do that very much in September, October, November, December. Not much, much mention of the man. And uh, now we're starting to talk about him more. So he's definitely coming around very soon. Hell, maybe he interferes in the uh, Adam Cole Jericho match. That's one of the rumored feuds with him is is with him and Jericho. Maybe they're going to be on Collision. Um, obviously, the Rampage numbers, the debut show, the first dance at uh, right. United Center Chicago sold out the arena, drew good numbers for the debut show. Um, Got to think that maybe that the same happens again. Um, the brand split thing would be kind of cool, um, and yeah. You know, a couple of cool, maybe different uh, announcements coming from Tony next week with the Warner deal, this and that. My biggest thing is, can, can we can we get the damn game? 
I was gonna say I got a couple. I got a couple topics AEW related. I kind of want to go uh, rapid fire with you about. We spent a lot of time talking about Dynamite, but there there have been a lot of things going on in the AEW realm that I think are men- worth mentioning. Uh, one of these things is another comment from my brother on the YouTube channel. He says this: Imagine creating a whole show because your EVPs are crybabies. And I would like to mention that has not been confirmed that that's why they're building this new show. So you can just fuck off. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I know that Jericho had a beef with Punk and apparently they talked about it, according to the dirt sheets. I don't know if VVPs have talking to Punk at all. I feel like in a way it's kind of best for them to not talk if it's going to spark an argument. Sometimes you don't have to like the people you work with. You just got to work with them because it draws money. Bischoff said that so many times. He worked with Russo, not because he liked Russo, but because it's an opportunity to show that he can work with anybody. He didn't have to like him if he can trust him, or he doesn't have to trust him if he likes him, whatever it was, and try to draw some money. And they did for a brief time, but sometimes the best stuff happens when you don't like somebody. And maybe eventually we get a CMFTR versus the Elite match. I don't know how that's going to work into the fold now with the whole Don Callis thing. Maybe Callis is recruiting Punk. Who knows? That'd be, weird it, to, but. that'd be a weird twist, but look, they've done a lot of weird turns and twists in AEW, so wouldn't put it past you. Let's go. Let's go rapid fire real quick here. Um, I mentioned briefly this Warner Bros. deal with AEW, rumored to be at one billion with a B dollars over five years, exclusive rights to the pay per views, I believe, to Warner Bros. And what I would also maybe consider. They're putting the entire catalog on uh, the rebranded um, streaming site once the Discovery Plus HBO Max merger gets complete. They're going to rebrand it as just Max. I assume all of the AEW catalog will get pushed there as well when all of that gets through. Let me just ask this question. The the biggest complaint um, from... The WWE marks is that AEW can't pull a profit. Why is Warner Brothers so, you know, their their ratings are so bad. And the one thing I always say is it doesn't matter about the ratings so much. It doesn't matter about profit so much. If the TV company that's paying you to put their stuff on the show is happy, that's all that matters. Will this be enough to shut them up? Like a billion dollars over five years. A new con- a, a second contract extension on this com- for the company. Obviously, Warner is happy. They're giving them a third show, or well, a fourth show if you count All Access. So obviously, they're happy with the the way that AEW is helping Warner overall. No, it won't shut them up. Um, I wish it would, but it won't. <laughs> um, selling out Wembley Stadium, close to it, didn't do it this new media deal won't do it because it's, Oh, WWE has already done that. So why is it news? It's not, it's not, it's not impressive. WWE has already done it. It's not impressive. It is impressive. It is impressive in the fact that a new, a comp, a different company is doing this. Sure. A, a, a company that's four years old. Yes. Just, TNA, just getting a yeah. $1 billion contract. Listen, in, in the first four years when Crockett took over and made WCW and then, Let's go 1988. Within four years, what did they do? 
nothing. It was still Saturday night on Saturdays. There was no primetime show on Monday nights. Pay-per-views was still four or five a year. That was it. House show business was shitty. Um, yeah, see, there you go. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Randall, the, the comment on the YouTube stream, WWE sold for $8.9 billion, You're still behind. Exactly right. It, it doesn't matter what's good. There's always an argument no matter what. If AEW sold for $10 billion, you know, whatever. The fact that Vince sold his company that eventually got bought out by a different company, kind of funny in my opinion, but hey, whatever. I'm not, hey, he's getting more money than I will, so I can't complain too much. Um, still sad that your product is still pretty shitty, though. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, we had a draft for nothing. Um, last <laughs> time I checked a draft, usually a guy stays on one team, not intertwined. Whatever. Anyways, um, so... It's impressive in the fact that in the first four years of WCW, nothing happened from 88 to 92. And when Bischoff got hired as the executive assistant, executive president, whatever you want to call it, from like 92, 93, first four years, he took away the house shows, put WCW at MGM, and cut their costs to help try to somewhat turn the ship around. Got Hulk Hogan, got Macho Man, Randy Savage, Lex Luger, the Steiners, and... Hall and Nash, and they started to build up a promotion. They got Monday Nights on Monday Nitro and became the number one wrestling organization in the world. That's impressive for Bischoff's first four years. That didn't happen. Well, I guess it was more of his first five years. But still, that's impressive. But WCW as a brand didn't do anything their first four years, I guess, after they became whatever they became. Um, TNA in the first four years. 02 to 06. The biggest thing they did in 06 was they got a TV deal from Spike TV. We're on Thursday nights at 11. I think they initially, and then they went from they went from Saturday nights to 11 to Thursday nights at 8. And then got a two-hour show. And then had their first pay-per-view on the road right. at Bound for Glory 2006 in October. 3,000 people. That was impressive for the time because right. nobody gave them a chance. Nobody gave them a shot. So the bar got raised by AEW, who, by the way, WWE in the first four years, you know, not much. Obviously, in the 1900s, you can do that. NWA, the same thing. Trying to go off of what the most recent stuff, ECW in their first four years didn't do shit. Wasn't until Paul Heyman in his first, you know, six years, they finally went to TNN and then had a pay-per-view and then, or they did pay-per-view first, then they did TNN, did the touring stuff, whatever. None of those companies had to deal with a pandemic. Right. Not one. Company could have probably more than likely shut down. Right. Because of, you know, whatever. They didn't. They carried on. They got a TV deal within their first year of operation. Right. TNA had to go on a weekly pay-per-view schedule for four years before they, or three and a half years before they finally landed on Fox Sports for a 30-minute show on Best Damn Sports Show, period. You know, this is where the wrestling knowledge comes in. You know, if people actually knew this stuff, you know, then maybe right. they wouldn't be so much of a homer and a pity guy. But anyways, when you know your history, it actually helps. Um, right. So, yeah, and then that was with TNA having great big stars like Sting and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Macho Man Randy Savage. Those guys were in the company, and it still didn't do much. Right. So to go in your first year to have a TV deal rights to be shown in primetime television in the middle of the week is impressive in itself. Right. Sold out your first ever show on national television. 
damn near impressive. Sold out your first pay-per-view with no television. Impressive. And then we get to, you survived the pandemic, you come back on the road. You sold out United Center that WWE never goes to, by the way. Never goes to, by the way. They're always at Allstate Arena. They're never in United Center. Wonder why. But AEW, the very first time they go to United Center, sold the fucking place out on a rumor. On a rumor, right. There, there was our no, television show. There was never a confirmed CM no. Punk is coming. There was. It was just a rumor. And when the rumor started... The show sold out immediately. Correct. It wasn't. It wasn't like it sold out after three weeks of them winking and nodding that Punk is coming. It was oh, Punk may come back, so everybody's buying tickets. Thunder sold out because we had a month's notice ahead of time that there was another two-hour show heading on TBS on prime time. So it was a. It was actually a three-hour show in its first premiere in uh, January of '98. But WCW showed up because they were a hot brand. They had Money Nitro for the past two years that were kicking ass, and that's why they sold out Thunder the first time. SmackDown sold out the first time that it happened because Raw was a hot brand. WWE as a brand was hot in 99, so that's why SmackDown sold out, sold out in August of 99. Okay, So there's reasons for why those things already happened. For the fact that a two-year, three-year-old company put a new show out on a Friday night at 10 o'clock, the live portion of the show was 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Live show. WWE, SmackDown, 8 p.m. Raw, 8 p.m. Monday Nitro, 8 p.m. Thunder, 8 p.m. There's a pattern here. Dynamite, 8 p.m. This show was a 9 p.m. start time. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. So the fact that you sold out a show for a show that wasn't even starting until UFC time, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock for the main card, but 9 o'clock, on a rumor, and never been to that building before, that's expensive as hell to rent out, that they said, nah, we're going to do it on a rumor. For a one-hour TV show, we're going to do it. And they did it. Go to an international spot. Yeah, sure, you could say that we expected them to sell out. We probably did. They're doing very well. And so then it, we get well, to Collision, whenever that's going to be. It's right. probably going to sell out. If it's in Chicago, wherever it's going to be, it's probably going to sell out. But and you hadn't told tell your portion. I haven't gotten to the TV, the new TV deal yet. But you can talk <laughs> yeah. about your portion real quick. So I haven't been on the show in a while. I have to get all this out. <laughs> yes, he's had a year and a half of frustration pent up here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so we go, we, we look at it, and we'll talk about Wembley here in a minute. But there hasn't been a confirmed match on the Wembley card, and and. And the one thing that I, I hate it about last week, I think it was when I had my live stream with my brother, and he was like, "Yeah, well, the European crowd is is they travel. Well, so does the American crowd. There's people that go from East Coast to West Coast and West Coast to East Coast in America. State to state, yeah, right. To watch shows, AEW sold out when oh, well hasn't 100, percent but for the most part, seventy thousand tickets or so maybe more i haven't checked the updated numbers recently uh, the last couple days to wembley fucking stadium the first time you go outside of the north american continent without a match being confirmed 
So, yeah, maybe we thought they would sell out at some point. We didn't even know they were going to Wembley Stadium until a couple weeks ago when they announced that. We knew they were going to London. My my opinion, my thought was they were just going to pull some smaller venue in London. They picked Wembley Stadium. Oh, well, they're, it's going to cost them a lot of money. Um, no, it's come out that Tony Khan has a pretty good deal with the people at Wembley. And because the Jaguars have a game there this year, they're getting a discounted rate to rent out Wembley Stadium. Tony Khan may not be the smartest man in wrestling, but he is a businessman, and he wouldn't do what he is doing with this company if he didn't think he could make money and and make AEW a really good alternative brand of wrestling for a specific type of fan. And, and people think that he cares about casuals. I don't think he does. I think he really just wants it to be a independent show on a mass scale. He is just some Mark who wants to have his own company and just put on matches that he loved to see. He grew, from what I understood, he grew up as a big ECW fan. And we don't have that ECW style of wrestling anymore since the WWE basically pulled a monopoly. And he just wants to have an alternative that isn't some cheesy because let's just be honest, for the longest time, Ring of Honor was very cheesy and sold like 160 seats in an arena. Uh, MLW, not a really good alternative. Like they could barely fill up the Grady Cole Center when we went the, the couple months ago. Um, and Impact, they're not filling 30,000 seat arenas. Um, so he just wanted an alternative that could be on TV on a prime time slot to just be an alternative to WWE and give the fans who are more interested in wrestling rather than soap opera. Let me give you a, another quick history lesson on this. Cause I had to look it up. I didn't know. So I'm sorry. A big thing that happened for TNA was to go to, you, you can't, I, I'm not, I, I, I will not disagree with you that you cannot build your brand without casuals. Totally agree with that. I will agree with that. I, I agree with that. You for can't, sure. You can't only build your brand around casual. So you no. need to have a firm base. Yes. But here's the thing about it is, yes, in England, you're going to have a strong crowd because they don't get a whole lot of top promotions over there. When TNA first went to the UK, they just did house shows for a couple of years. And then they were like, you know what? I think we're strong enough to where if we go over there and say that it's a, a, a live impact or a taped impact, we might actually get more people. So the first ever TNA Impact Wrestling broadcast was in 2013 in England at the Manchester Arena, 23,000 seat capacity. They drew 6,000. Mm -hmm. That was a success for them because it was more than two or 3,000 people. So you go from... Manchester Arena, 6,000 in attendance out of a 20,000-seat state arena to saying, hey, our first ever time we're going to England, our first ever time going to the UK is also, hey, by the way, going to be televised, pay-per-view, inside of Wembley Stadium, one of the most historic places probably in the world. Right. And you've already gotten two-thirds of the arena, the stadium sold on, a, on an announcement with no matches. 
shows that the brand is very, very strong and, in Europe. Yeah, and this and that's why a, a lot of people are like, "Well, WWE is hotter in America." Well, yeah, they're hotter than America. They've been around eight hundred times as long. Look over, right. look, look past America. That's the one thing I hate about this American, I guess, centric brand of wrestling yeah. is they only view viewership in terms of American ratings. They don't look outside of America to see that there's millions of fans from Japan to England to France and Australia, Canada, that don't get counted in the Nielsen ratings that absolutely love AEW. To be completely honest, in Africa, they love Impact Wrestling. They get like 1 million viewers a week from Africa. India does well for Impact. So, but, yeah, overall, it's not just an American-focused sport. You have to look at the worldwide impact of AEW. I, I definitely agree with that. And internationally, this was known. This is not like a rumor, a me calling somebody. It, it's factual. AEW outperforms WWE in the ratings in Europe. They do. That's great. My problem is for AEW, they need a better foothold footprint in America. Funny to say for an American company, you need a better footprint in America. They do. Um, I appreciate them trying different things. Um, and that's kind of a line of what I'm saying is that's awesome. They can sell out 70,000 people in Wembley, probably 80, maybe 90. Maybe it could be top five all-time wrestling t uh, paid events in, in, in the history. But they got to do better with the American side of it. They do draw some very strong crowds in certain markets, Chicago, Detroit, New York, um, Canada, obviously. But they need to do a better job with getting a better footprint. There are some markets in this country that are just not good for wrestling. South Florida is one of them. Virginia is hit or miss. West Virginia, hit or miss. Sadly, it seems like, you know, Flair country outside of Charlotte and Raleigh, the rest of the Carolinas is kind of dead. Yeah, and, and and that's I think that's because there's more transplants now than there was before. So, you know, you don't have your local people as yeah. much, especially in the bigger markets. So maybe if you go to Asheville, maybe if you go to Fayetteville, maybe if you go to Hickory or um, Greenville. South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. Maybe you might draw a little bit better crowd instead of Columbia, Raleigh, Charlotte, because you have a lot more transplant people and they may not be, you know, whatever. But in general, I mean, you just got to keep trying. You just got to keep trying to go back to places that you may have had success, which is pissing me off the fact that AEW does not yet come out to Charlotte. And I may need to find Tony Khan's number and call him. Um, yeah, yeah, their travel schedule was weird. They went from New York to... Florida, Florida to Baltimore, now to Detroit. Baltimore? <laughs> Salem, Virginia. Yeah, we can't even get a damn house show. I heard Cabarrus Arena is down the road. I'm sure they'll be open for business. Impact Wrestling had a couple house shows. NXT right. did, damn it. Right. Come on now. Impact Wrestling, remember, they had their biggest pay-per-view of the year there in Bound for They Murray sure damn years. did. And we sat <laughs> guardrail sign, and we're seeing on television. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, no, no. The TV deal... Is phenomenal. Yeah, sure. Yes. WWE is getting $2 billion from USA and Fox right now for their television rights. That shouldn't be shocking 
for the WWE crowd because they're the biggest game in town. They, they should be getting those. And as much as they do for everything, they do very well. So they should be getting those deals. For a low company like this, only four years old, who haven't done a whole lot of stuff, to get a TV deal in the first year is impressive. And then to get a possible re-up for a billion dollars is even more impressive. DNA has right. never had a billion-dollar deal. They went to Spike TV, and then once Spike TV stopped, they went to Destination America. They went to Pop TV. They went to Access TV. They have floated around so many different channels and have not even sniffed a billion-dollar TV deal. You can blame they, yourself Yeah. And, you know, NWA, the same thing. ECW, the same thing. All those companies that thought they wanted to be bigger never got a billion-dollar deal. WCW didn't either, but, I mean, they were on Warner, so they got a very good TV deal. But – the fact that this company, who is not a Warner subsidiary, they're, they're, they're kind of the same principle as WWE. They're their own thing. They're not a TV company that shows wrestling. They're a wrestling company. We're looking for TV deals. We're pitching that, much like WWE. And the fact that they got a, they're getting a billion-dollar te- television deal is very impressive. And it's strengthening their, their mark as becoming the second, be- second most um, known wrestling company in the world. But that being said, you just got to do better with the American crowd. You got to do better at marketing to those crowds to get in those whatnot. Um, hey, Peacock might be getting bought out though. So I'll, I'll refute this. So the, the comment was, don't forget the $1 billion Peacock deal. Let's just put this in place. Peacock has about 200 million subscribers. I think I saw in the U S Max, which is the streaming deal for Warner, has five times as many viewers because HBO Max is where Game of Thrones was played. So there's bigger reach for AEW if they put their content on Max to reach a really big audience of people that are just scrolling through the the app or the whatever on their TV and wonder what AEW is. Right. Once again, there is no, hey, AWU is better than WWE talk, because that's just nonsense. Right. WWE right. is the end-all, be-all right now. The yeah. fact that people have different places to go is phenomenal for wrestling fans, for wrestlers, for people that work within the business. It's phenomenal. And you get paid pretty decently with AEW. As you get out of AEW, depending on the company, you may not get paid as very well. Um, I think the TV deal is important. It's very important. Absolutely because, it is. Because... Not because they are going to like out profit the WWE or take over their no their their things, but it shows that the WWE isn't the only company that can get these deals. That there is a need in the market for alternatives to pro wrestling. So I think you can see if if, if another company, another person wants to start a third company to compete or bring another alternative. That there is a need in the market for that for that for wrestling and in general, and and a lot of people like to say that well, pro wrestling wasn't as hot as it was in the '90s, and that's mostly because the PG era killed off all the steam of the Attitude Era, I would say. But there's still a heavy love for for people our age who grew up in the Attitude Era for that style of wrestling and wrestling in general, and so I agree with have, that. To have one monopoly of a company 
run the entire industry is just bad for wrestling in general. So the fact that another company can get a deal this big is important for the growth of wrestling overall. Absolutely. And there's a lot of different companies out there who are doing great. NWA is doing pretty decent. Impact is doing decent. WWE is doing good. AEW is doing good. Um, the Attitude Era, as Randall says uh, in a comment, in hindsight, the Attitude Era sucked. I tend to agree with that in some ways. As I've grown older, the more I'm like, you know, it wasn't actually that great. TV ratings were the best they ever were. I mean, it, it was good for the for the culture at that time. As far it, as it, I can it, tell, we're doing pay per views in stadiums, right? Which is awesome. Not not discrediting that whatsoever. That is very cool. We're not doing Monday Night Raws in stadiums. We're not doing dynamites in stadiums. Monday Night Raw, Monday Nitro, Thunder, SmackDown. They're going to stadiums in the nineties, right? Georgia right. Dome, the the Superdome, WWE the, the WWE Madison Square Garden show is h- half as important nowadays as it was back in the early years ago. Days. Yeah, absolutely, and it's so important for them to go. But I mean, it's not like it was before. No, and once again, from a maybe storyline creative type of thing, wrestling wise, was the Attitude Era great? Probably not really. You had your great big stars who were great on the mic and, and could deliver some great storytelling and or at least decent storytelling and got you to buy the pay-per-views or whatnot and made you watch the show every week. When Monday Night Raw is the in the Monday night in, the, in Nitro with the water cooler talk versus Monday night football, you know you're doing something well. And that's what wrestling did in the late 90s. Um 5.6 point Nielsen ratings, while NFL numbers shattered that and most of other stuff shattered that. That's a big damn deal back in the 90s because people were watching those shows. Every week, and you, and you know, the thing they were watching it live, or maybe not, maybe the immediately after it went off air because they would show the replay immediately. Immediately after. following, yeah. You're not watching, you're not recording unless you're getting a VHS or right. a VCR. They didn't have TiVo until like 2000, so you know people more dedicated to watch it. But I mean, like I said, you're not selling out 30, 40,000 tickets to the Georgia Dome. You're not selling out 30, 40,000 tickets to the New Orleans Mercedes whatever it's called, Caesar, Little, or Caesar's Palace Superdome. Superdome, yeah. You know. The Doug Dimmodome. The Doug Dimmodome, home of the Doug Dimmodome. Um, <laughs> you're not selling those out anymore. That's what they did, wrestling did in the 90s because it was so big. Mm-hmm. I still think, though, that we're very near a wrestling boom, but a much different boom than the 90s. You're, you're probably still not going to see those stadium raws and right. dynamites and smackdowns. But WWE is going to a lot more stadium stuff now. You know, SummerSlam used to never be in a, in a stadium. Royal Rumble, very little was in a stadium, but now they're doing that. And if and I have to, if I had to give WWE one thing to their credit, it's that they're able to bring in people like Bad Bunny. As yeah. much as I don't understand why he's there, he's there to bring in another audience. He is the most popular Latin American arti- art, art, artist in this generation. And it's it's like the the Mike Tyson's and the other people that in the nineties that showed up that could bring and AEW has tried to do that with like some of these rappers that rappers sometimes you'll get the they got the Mike Tyson you may get a football player in there but 
That's not their niche right now. They're they're not trying to get that. They're trying to build up their brand and try to say that the brand of AEW is strong, and it is in some ways for sure. Um, WWE has just been around for a hundred years longer, so I mean they've got a hundred year head start than AEW. So you're able to have that repertoire of bringing in a Bad Bunny, a Pat McAfee, uh, a Logan Paul, these YouTube people, and these sports guys. You're able to do that. It's just the way it works. Um, and WWE is still getting paid handsomely for the Saudi Arabian deal, the TV deals, the Peacock deal, being bought out. I mean, once again, you know, WWE does great in certain things for sure. WrestleMania went from a one-night thing to a weekend thing to now a week-long thing. That's impressive. SummerSlam is the same way now. Royal Rumble is the same way now. We just got to get that fourth one now to hopefully build back some some oomph and, and see if that, that helps in at all. But right. um Money in the bank. Money in the bank is going to London and selling out. Um, the O2 might be the O2 Arena. I think they're going to mm-hmm. um, their first pay per view since. I, I, if you don't want to count Clash the Castle, um, since SummerSlam '92, or I mean the one night only shows were pay per views, but it was only pay per view in Europe. But that's that's cool that a B type right. pay per view is now going to international stuff. So that's, I wonder that's showing up. I want to bring up a chat that we kind of mentioned earlier, and I had something that just came in my mind. I wanted to address it, and then we'll go to one last topic, and then we're running kind of long here. But yeah, sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 we're good here. So bring it back to the comment of the only market that matters to an American company should be America. That is a very old school mentality. You take a look now. Um, obviously, Puerto Rico is part of America. Um, it's as a not a. I don't know when it's, it's like a province of America or whatever. So it is, I guess, I guess it's still technically an American market. Canada, they went to Canada. Now they're going over to London. You're seeing the international pool of these American companies. Impact just announced that in August, I think they're going to Australia yeah. for a couple of week, a weekend yeah. of it there. Um, the, the need for a, the global market for wrestling is bigger than ever in terms of your overall success as even if you're an American company or not, you need to be able to pull numbers on a global scale and WWE. Listen, they got the American market pretty much unlocked and AEW is going to slowly maybe eat, eat towards the American market, but AEW has the global scale because of their deals with New Japan and their deals with Triple A and the fact that they're they're working a lot of the stars that they have work with these indie shows around the world it's a it's a big thing for you to build a not only just an americanized brand that's important to build in your home turf but to go outside of the american continent and build your brand outward, the the economy of everything is going to a more globalized system. So you have to be able to work with that market or else you're not going to last very long. Yeah, and I would, just one quick thing before we kind of move on. This will be quick. When you had mentioned about the, the need for wrestling and, and these TV deals, I would disagree with more so that there's a need for wrestling. It's more so a need for live events. Right. You don't have very many live events besides sports that are on TV. You don't have you may occasionally get a live American Idol or America's Got Talent or The Bachelor or whatever. You know, you're not getting right 
live events much. You're not getting live concerts on TV much, you, you know, besides the New Year's Eve stuff right. um, and maybe the Macy's Day Parade and stuff like that. So the need for a live event, especially a weekly live event, is very high. It's it's needed because it's original television. It's different. It's new. It's fresh. So you need the, the need for that in the market is very um, apparent. So right. And you look yeah. at the, the pandemic, there was such a need for a live event. So you right. saw you saw like when when NASCAR decided to open back up uh, kind of off topic, NASCAR's ratings exploded because they were the first live event to come back after the pandemic. For so, sport. I mean, wrestling was on, but, but I mean, yeah, right. sport wise, right. they were the only one at that point. Right. So, yeah, there is a need for live events. People just I, I think they love live events a lot because it's unpredictable in a sense to where like it's not a scripted thing where you can kind of pinpoint, okay, it's a two hour show or two hour movie at one, the one hour point is when we're going to hit like this turn or whatnot, you know? So yeah, live events are, are very important for, for everybody. Everybody needs some sort of entertainment source. That's not just some scripted TV show or movie. The last thing I kind of want to talk to you about, and you mentioned it, when the fuck are we getting this video game? Uh, your your guess is as good as mine. Um, <laughs> so you know they pulled the, off these damn video games because of Punk, and now he's getting ready to come back. So now we're going to put him back on the fucking cover again. Right. So, my, from what I understood, is all of the content needed to promote the video game, I guess, and the, the, and everything was finished. They're just waiting on a date. And my my one I wonder if they're waiting for Punk to come back, and he's going to be like the big cover guy for the for the whole thing, and then they'll release it when Punk is is back and established. It just I don't understand. I know there was a hiccup, I guess, in the some rating. of the the rating thing there, and some of the promotional aspects they were waiting on to finish some of that stuff but if all of that is completed and the rating is where they want it to be can we just get the game <laughs> i just I mean, want the point, game i i get it that if punk comes back he was your focal point on your on your pro on your posters on your cover so right you probably have to reissue those again or just use the ones you had before and just slap it on that right um i know that when dynamite kind of changed their set they kind of put on hold so they can update that so now it looks as updated as possible but especially with the roster stuff punk is probably the focal point so you're wanting to put him on the yeah. on the cover and i get that i guess i do well if they were, if they were going if they were going to follow the model of just one game with a yearly or a weekly or a monthly roster update then just give it to us and put punk in when he comes back um, I guess they want a really good, strong initial sales strong, part of it, right. and that's going to help it. So maybe that's what it is. But yeah, I mean, at that point, just put the game on and let us download what we need to download and update what we need to update. And right. let's say we yes. have a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's been fun. It was, we've gone an hour and a half. Didn't hasn't seemed that long. But AEW, I think they just do such a good job leading up to to pay per views that. You can go along talking about some of the all the positives. And there are some negatives about AEW. It wasn't a perfect show. There were some low moments there. Some things that I didn't didn't like. And I mentioned like the stipulation for the House of Black match. Just so my brother and everybody else that thinks that I'm just like some Tony Khan dick writer, like I will criticize the show. <laughs> you know, like 
Um, I'm not just here to praise Tony Khan and think he does everything perfectly. Like he does have some things that he doesn't do well in and then I'll criticize him for that. But overall, I think the product is in a good place. Obviously, the network executives are good with where they're at. They got this big TV deal that is assumed to be announced next Wednesday. I don't know. Anything else you got to promote before we head off tonight, sir, or today? Um, tune into my podcast. Um, I'll put a new episode up um, in probably eight years. Um, <laughs> so go back and listen to the old ones. I don't know if and when I'll do another one of those. But, uh, uh, no, the only thing I would really promote is uh, both uh, – junkyard jimmy over there and myself and uh three of our other friends uh all five of us uh, chicken nugget knuckleheads we uh we do a nice little live stream on thursday nights at 8 p.m or excuse me 9 p.m uh eastern called the colin audibles podcast where we talk football so uh, it's football only podcast um it's done pretty well so far it's been fun to do that so uh, tune in to that uh, it is Thursday night of the date of this recording so tune in tonight at 9 p.m eastern and uh, we have a youtube feed for that uh, check our social media channels for that. Um, fun stuff there. Yeah, this was fun. This was great. Uh, need to do it every now and then, and and uh, not take up so much time. And maybe you know, help me get off some of the. I, 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 I would say I'd bring my brother on here, but I feel like we'd go on for about four hours if all three of us were were on the on the show. Um, is that tune in tonight? The same channel that you can watch this on as it's recording now. The Junkyard Media Group page. Um, I think tonight we're just going to go over the schedule release for the NFL that is being released tonight. I think at eight o'clock we're going to, I guess, going to go over some some important games, some aspects of the schedule there, um, and then you'll see about halfway through the show that uh, me and Commander K Dog over here will be on our phone buying tickets to a game as soon as we know when this yeah. gets released. Got some good ideas for that. That weekend's going to be fun. Even if we get our, our asses kicked, it's going to be fun. We're probably going to do some content for the page for that. That's going to be fun too. So down the road, but uh, yeah, tonight should be fun as well. And uh, yeah, check out his stuff for this uh, podcast. Does a good job of it. And uh, check out our stuff on Thursday nights. Fun stuff. Yes, sir. And uh, as we head off, I thank y'all for tuning in. Please, uh, subscribe to the pot to the youtube channel hit that notification bell that way you know when we're live and we don't have to spam you with links all the time um like comment subscribe share this let's get this going big y'all and uh, we'll see you the next time here on the junkyard